Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Glad to have you safely back with us in Cape Town, Wendy. Welcome. Thank nice you. to have you in studio again. Good to be here. I foresee a, a, a coming Consumer Talk edition focused on period products <laughs> and period poverty and all kinds of things from yes. a consumer perspective, Wendy. I think Absol- we need to do some cost comparisons for I one. I would love to do that. It's one of my favorite topics. When I was with Fair Lady many years ago, I did a, a very long, detailed feature about the socialization of, of periods on women. Um, and I went down the rabbit hole of researching and reading up and whatever. And um, I also did sort of um, consumer side of it in terms of the costs, what you're yeah. just saying, but that was many years ago, needs updating, but it is a fascinating topic, especially um, for me as a consumer journalist, how over the years, and it's getting better, but over the years, um, the manufacturers of uh, intimate products um, <laughs> have um, exploited yep. girls and women's fear about fears about the way they smell, whether they're going to leak, um, and extended from selling products to them for the one week that they're menstruating to, you know, you need a panty liner the whole month because, you know, just in just case in you case, never know. Yeah. And these sprays and things because, you know, you really <laughs> don't smell all that good and all this kind of thing. It's it's a very, it's a, it's a topic Such that a fascinates me. Conversation. So, yes, yeah. so, yes, we can definitely take a very um, consumer angle on this in terms of costs and, and exploitation. And of, of waste yes. creation, of course, one of the other That's aspects true. to look at. So, okay, yes. so it's so definitely so a conversation it. we will continue in consumer yes. talk. For today, though, we are talking about honey. And this takes us back to a conversation we first had in 2018 when, Wendy, you came on and you told us, be very, very careful what honey you're choosing and what is inside that jar. It might be much, much more than pure unadulterated mm-hmm. honey. And uh, so that's going to be the main focus of the conversation today. I suspect it will take up most of the hour. We will slide in a, an open line or two if we can at the end. But just to say that you're welcome to join the conversation on 0214460567 or to leave a voice note on 0725671567. Wendy, you actually attended a conference on honey fraud, as it's called, earlier this week. Yes. And I gather it was quite an eye-opener, even though this is a subject you've investigated before. Absolutely. It was actually last Thursday to yep. coincide with... Um, Correct me if I'm it wrong. Was something like Day. Will Be Day. Yes. I don't know if it was Will Beekeepers Day or Will Be Day, but bees, absolutely. Yeah. And it was organized by the South African um, bee industry organization, um, Sabio. Um, and uh, the organizers pulled together a really impressive array of experts from all sides. There were regulators, there were beekeepers, there were international experts, because honey fraud is a, very much an international issue. Um, honey. The plus side is it's in its unadulterated form. It's um, one of the oldest foodstuffs and enjoyed in exactly the same way today as it was 2,000 years ago, yeah. which is incredible to think. Um, and it also doesn't, I mean, you can eat honey from the pyramids and it's, it's still fine. It, yes, yes, it, it never does goes not, off. It yeah. doesn't ever go off. Um, same as vinegar and, and sugar, actually. Same story. Um, but anyway, the problem is that it is the, currently the third most adulterated food in the world after wow. milk. We don't seem to have a milk issue here, but um, olive oil, yes, definitely. Um, so... I sat in this this virtual workshop for many hours uh, last week um, and heard a lot of fascinating stuff, such as um, South African beekeepers are only able to meet half the demand for um, honey in this country. The rest has to be imported, and it's mainly being imported um, from China. And listen to this. South Africa's honey imports trebled from around 2,000 tons in 2011 to 6,000 tons Last year, um, 60% of which 
came from China. The rest came from Zambia, Poland, and Romania. And I'm seeing on some labels now um, India, um, but that's obviously a small amount. And the reason for Chinese honey-dominating imports into this country becomes clear when you look at the price. It's by far the cheapest at around 1,141 U.S. dollars a ton versus double that, more than double that for Zambian honeys, 2,375 U.S. dollars per ton. And it's close to $3,000 per ton for Polish and Romanian honey. So you can see the preference there for, for the Chinese, um, the Chinese yeah. honey, yes. Um, okay, so, so we know the South African beekeepers can't keep up with the demand. The question is, can China keep up with the demand? Wendy, and if they can't, then <laughs> what does that say about what it is we're actually well, importing? That's the, that was the eye-opener for me of the entire conference because one of the guests um, coming in, you know, it, it all, this was all virtual, of course, mm-hmm. and so it, it sort of um, opened the scope of, of who they could um, have attend, which is one of the, the benefits of the era we're living in now. Yeah. Um, so one of the guests from um, Argentina was, was Professor Norberto Garcia of Argentina, and he's president of, of the Apimondia Scientific Commission of B of the beekeeping economy. So they look at what's going on globally. And he voiced very grave concern about the Chinese issue, saying there are simply not enough bee colonies in China to explain the huge amount of honey that they are currently exporting. And their their, um, output is just soaring, yes. So he says, honey is the product of the interaction between the plant and the animal kingdom. So no additions can be made at all. And if you blend pure honey with fake honey, it's not honey. Hmm. End of honey can only you can only call something honey if it's one hundred percent unadulterated honey. It hasn't got any sugar syrups or any other additions, um, and of course the additions are much cheaper, and which is why it's being done. So the implication there is. If China's not making enough to justify how much they're exporting, they must be blending it with something else, with the cheaper substances, and uh, in order to meet that demand. And then, of course, that leaves our beekeepers competing on with pricing they can't it's a, compete with. It's a false with, platform, and, yeah. a, fal- a false uh, bottom uh, of price, uh, price bottom. So um, according, according to what we heard, the blending of honey is a particularly big problem in South Africa to the point where the consumer really has no idea what's in that squeeze bottle. And this is the problem from a labeling point of view. It's legal. And you see it very often um, on the supermarket uh, brands um, to have a label that says South African product of, because they have to legally say the country, declare the countries of origin, right? So they can say legally um, product of South Africa and or China and or Zambia or Poland or whatever. But if you think about it, South Africa and or, or take the and out, it could be 100% imported Chinese honey with that label. Yeah, I mean, that I, I'm amazed that that is legal because is legal. that's a label that says it's, nothing at all. Wendy. It's supposed to account for the fact that honey is an incredibly seasonal product and um, it would be Ill- impractical, it is argued, to change the label for every batch. Okay, because that's the reasoning behind it. But um, sure. there was a representative from um, the Directorate of Food Safety and Quality Assurances, Animal and Processed Products Directorate. These titles are always very <laughs> marathon long. long. Neil Erasmus, and he, he was asked about this, and he said, if there's enough pushback from the beekeepers, the local beekeepers, they would look at um, revising that allowance on the label, as happened with chicken imports. Okay, um, so there was obviously push 
pushback from the local um, chicken producers. And so that changed. So I think that certainly that, <laughs> that should be explored. Sounds like the industry but itself the, needs to lobby. Yeah, yeah, but coming back to you or I going to the supermarket, I mean, I know because I've been researching this issue for many years, I wouldn't, no, I, I, you I would wouldn't buy an Andor. Yes. Yeah. But um, the okay. thing is that even if it didn't say that, what, you know, if it was, if they said product of South Africa and it wasn't, how would we know? The government's not doing, we'll talk to an expert later, but the government's not doing regular testing. So, um, so no one is, how is do checking. we know? You yeah. can't tell on taste. Yeah. It's okay. a, it's a big problem. So besides the confusion around where the honey in the bottle actually comes from, um, that's not the only kind of dodgy practice that's going on in the industry, Wendy. No. So it takes many frauds. Uh, forms this fraud and apparently you know it, there's so much money in it that the fraudsters are getting ever more clever um, and it's a cat and mouse game now where the adulteration methods are changing and then the scientists are having to come up with ever more sophisticated means of testing for those wow. new forms and uh, literally a cat and mouse game but the other forms of fraud um, are that they will um, a label will say it's from a particular floral source so in South Africa it would be for example Orange blossom, aloe, or lychee. These are very um, niche, um, highly sought after, um, you know, single source honeys. Um, but they they're very rare. So the the, the there's we'll get this a bit later. But um, there are allegations that the volume of the stuff being sold or produced as orange blossom, whatever, et cetera, doesn't actually tally with what is being produced. In terms of the, uh, yeah, so a, the, for the number being of sold, hives, rather, yes. yes, as single source, doesn't the numbers aren't adding up there. And then there's um, probably the most common is adul- adulterating. Um, this is on a, on a very um, high level. Um, the, the honey with um, some kind of sugar syrup, fructose, rice, or beet, <laughs> And then there's honey laundering, which is importing cheese, cheap Chinese honey in bulk. And what I said just now, passing it off as high-quality local honey with the matching price. Sure. It's a minefield. And as it you is. say, it comes down to the consumer can't be sure of what they're buying when they take the jar off off the shelf. And obviously, there's a knock-on impact on um, on the local producers who are trying to compete with products that are coming in cheaply priced because they're not actually the real deal. And the consumers don't know any better. Um so, Wendy, it's not only, though, about the consumers not being scammed. There, there's another big issue at stake here, and that is that the beekeeping industry own, isn't only about producing honey, honey for us to put on our crumpets and, and toast. It's actually a sad issue. The local beekeeping industry, there are currently, according to Sabio, 6,000 beekeepers operating about 170,000 beehives. And besides the production of honey, um, the, the most significant task of the industry is is um, the bee-dependent pollination of agricultural crops. So they include uh, large agricultural industries uh, such as deciduous fruit, subtropical fruit, all berries, and sunflower production. I mean, I until very recently lived on a on a um, plum farm instead yeah. of bush. And um, when it was when the very short season of of when they beautifully um, flower, yeah. there came in the night so that the bees are less um, sort of worked up. Yeah, they trucked in all these hives, and there they were among the trees and doing their job. Going to do their they, job. There's of no other way. Yeah. Yes. So it's why Sabio is recommending that due to the ongoing. Pr- Price equality of of honey and the whole sort of we need to save our bees thing. Full import duty should be payable on imports with zero rebate. And at the moment, there are rebates, and the local beekeepers are suffering as a result. Okay, so Sabio, just to recap, um, what that stands for it is the South African Bee, bee Industry, Industry Organization. Organization. So they are saying. 
Beekeepers need to be speaking up and pushing back on the labelling. They're also saying that they're calling for no rebates on imported honey products, which yes. is a, a start. Now, it's one thing to, to do what we're doing and alert consumers to the nature of the problem, but proving it is is then the very tricky thing. Wendy, as you've just said, if the, the methods of adulteration are changing all the time, one assumes that the, the methods of Detecting the adulteration yes. are changing as well. Um, uh, so, so what, tell, talk to us a little bit about that particular okay, so, challenge. So one of the, the, the presentations that interested me the most was one by Shannon Reaver. She works for the Stellenbosch-based Food and Allergy Consulting and Testing Services, better known as FACTS, um, no strangers to this show. And she explained the challenges involved in scientifically proving that a honey sample is adulterated or not what the label claims it to be as a, so for example, uh, local versus imported. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, she's hopefully going to join us, um, along with, um, uh, Dr. Harris Diamond, who's the CEO of Facts and a medical doctor, um, to take us through that, those challenges a little bit. They are both with us on the line and we'll start the conversation with us and then spill it over past the eyewitness news headlines when we have to take a break in the meantime. But for now, let's start with Shannon Reaver, uh, of, of Facts. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So it sounds like part of the problem is that there's no single test which can reveal everything about a honey sample, what is in it, the floral sources, the country of origin, etc. Is that correct? That is correct. Unfortunately, because it's such a complex biological matter, testing is equally as complex. So it's more about trying to collect as many pieces of the puzzle as you can to try and get a holistic overview on what's actually in the sample. I'm assuming that you can't tell by taste alone or by scent alone whether it's unadulterated honey or whether it's been diluted by syrup. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) The fraudsters are getting so creative these days. They add in flavor compounds, even lemon juice sometimes, to try and trick your nose and your your tongue. Um, So the, the only way you would know is to taste, unfortunately. And Shannon, I have to ask, um, because whenever I write about honey, um, the response from, from listeners or readers is, oh, well, the, you, you can tell if it's honey. You just put it in water or you put a match to it and all sorts of other old wives' tales. Um, I presume, uh, I hope I'm right in presuming um, that none of those are actually valid. No, so those kind of methods are all based on the assumption that the honey is being adulterated with one type of adulterant. But these days, there's so many different rice syrups, beet syrups, different types of sugar syrups out on the market. So each sugar syrup will um, behave differently to those tastes. So it depends what actually your honey has been adulterated with if that test will work, but most of the time, no, that's not really a valid way to check. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, thanks for debunking the myth as a start. Uh, Shannon, I'm going to put you on pause there while we just cross to the news uh, studio for our headlines and the conversation with Shannon Reaver and Dr. Harris Steinman and Wendy Nola will continue after this. Good afternoon. Okay, we are back. How do you come back from the comment? <laughs> We're back talking consumer affairs with Wendy Nola and somebody's asking the million dollar question on the WhatsApp line, Wendy, are we getting real honey or are we actually getting golden syrup? And Well, hopefully yeah. by the end of the show, you'll have um, more of a clearer idea how to begin to try and tell the difference. Well, let's go back to some of the people who are helping us to be able to detect the difference. So on the line with us, Shannon Reaver and Dr. Harris Steinman from FACTS, which is the Food and Allergy Consulting and Testing Services, yeah, based in 
in Stellenbosch. And Shannon is one of their food scientists who was chatting to us about the break, uh, about before the break, about the difficulty of, of testing and determining uh, what is unadulterated and what isn't. So, Shannon, what do you look for? I mean, talk to us a little bit about uh, the, the kinds of tests that you are able to conduct at FACTS. So the most basic one is obviously to look at the sugar profile because honey has a very distinct uh, glucose, fructose, reducing sugar profile and there should be very low um, levels of sucrose in there. But it's not as easy as that (laughs) being said. Um, So adulterants like rice syrup, for example, have a very similar sugar profile Mm. to honey. So you need to have something kind of on top of the sugar profile to look for those kind of adulterants. So what we have started doing internally is looking for um, oligosaccharides. These are basically like long chain sugar molecules um, that aren't present in um, in pure natural honey, but they are present in sugar syrups. So by looking for these molecules specifically, no matter what kind of sugar syrup you've adulterated with, you should be able to detect if it's authentic or not. And are a lot of people asking you to do tests, Shannon? They are. Um, not so much kind of, uh, I want to say, the bigger brands out there. It's more the smaller um, beekeepers, we've got a lot of beekeepers coming to us, but it's always people coming to us that are wanting to do their due diligence. So it's not necessarily people trying to catch others out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the samples we get in-house are normally really good quality honey, um, and it's beekeepers or um, small-scale producers that are, like I said, doing their due diligence, and they want some kind of report or certificate to say, okay, their honey is authentic, it is really um, high quality. But there are some, like I said, the commercial retailers and brands that are coming to us for testing, but not nearly as much as we'd like to see. Well, an interesting comment on the WhatsApp line from Terence saying you really can't trust a mass retail honey product. The best way is to find real honey. Uh, sorry, the best way to find real honey is to find a local farmer who makes his own honey, Which is I've Terence's just thought. You've just done that. Yeah, we'll talk about okay. that a bit later. But um, Shannon, it came up at that, um, that workshop last week. Um, I think it was Prof Garcia who said with you know, honey adulterators coming up with new methods constantly getting trickier and trickier. It boils down to the competition between new tests and new syrups. Um, He said older testing methods will not detect the latest adulteration methods. And he went on to say that, you know, the the main labs um, doing the really advanced testing are in Europe, particularly in Germany. Um, which, of course, makes testing for South Africans, whatever, you know, whatever stake you have in the, in the honey industry, very, very expensive and, and probably time consuming. So what how would you counter that? Would, did you say that your, the tests that you're able to do at facts are sufficiently um, evolved, for want of a better word, to be able to give um, reliable reassurance to a consumer or a brand or a retailer that, you know, this honey is what it claims to be on the label? Yes, definitely. Um, I think the the larger labs, the ones you mentioned, the overseas one, they've been doing this for years. So they really specialize in specific aspects, for example, predicting if your honey is going to crystallize quickly or not. But when it comes to determining authenticity, yes, the tests that we offer are sufficient. Um, You will be able to know if your honey is or not authentic. Okay, good to know. Well, I'll certainly help that stream of um, please check the yeah. <laughs> this out. <laughs> um, honey samples coming. Um, 
I think we should, it's prudent to ask, what advice would you give to consumers, knowing what you know now um, through you know being involved in, in the testing of honey? How do they give themselves the best chance of buying 100% pure South African honey if that is, in fact, what they want to buy? I would say check the label. So like you said earlier in the show, if it says and, or, and, or, and, or, your chances just get higher that what you're getting is actually not authentic. And also try and support local and support the smaller beekeepers where you can. Um, It is a really difficult industry. So whatever we can do good, you know, pay the little extra 10 or 20 rand per bottle to do the right thing and also get the authentic product. Right. Thank you so much, Shannon Reaver, food scientist at Facts. And Wendy, before we say goodbye to Facts, I think you wanted to put one last question directly to Dr. Harris Steinman. Yes, Harris. Harris, always great to have you with us. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, Harris, what about, um, I sat through that, uh, that workshop thinking, well, as a consumer, um, I, I perhaps naively want to look to, to government to regulate um, uh, f- you know, the authenticity of food products, especially products such as honey, which is known to be highly adulterated globally. Are they doing anything in that, in, in, whether it be the Department of Health or the National Regulator for Compulsory Specifications, wherever it is, is anybody doing anything to test and to make sure that, um, that, that the honey is compliant and that it's not adulterated? Do they have the means or the will to test themselves? Okay. That's a good question. I think up to now it hasn't been good at all. What what has happened in the last uh, year or so is firstly the new Sabio board and they seem to be very, very on the ball. They're very bright. They know what they want to achieve. That's uh, uh, a peg. The second peg is that DEF, as it's now called Dalrod, uh, the agriculture have not had the capacity to implement testing or checking of any of the products uh, that falls under that, but this is meat, this is vegetables, etc. And so they've developed uh, the scheme called assignees. This is groups of people who will look after and inspect specific commodities. And there is one that will also look honey and so they their responsibility is to inspect and ensure that the quality is met that no adulteration etc so that that's just started and hopefully they will uh, do a great job in the future but they, but the, they don't have the experience so they're still a learning and then the third thing is the department itself who says they are willing to change regulations 20 years old because yeah. these regulations are for the old method of testing, the old system, which um, uh, criminals managed to bypass. Long ago, yeah. Long ago. And I think the final peg, which is very, very important, is really for consumers to push back, which means that if you're going to buy it from wherever you are, whether it's a discam or a local place, ask for a certificate. Say to them, okay, I'm going to buy you honey, but show me proof that it's been recently tested and and uh, that's the only way one can hear it because certainly although i agree that small producers are the best way to go you know even producers can sometimes try and cheat the yeah, system so sure. yep
Okay. Harris, thank you so much. It's very uh, and uh, good to hear an element of hope in there, Wendy, yes. about some, some things that are changing. <laughs> yes, so thank you very much, Dr. Harris Diamond. And again, thank you to Shannon Reaver, uh, both of them from FACTS, the Food and Allergy Consulting and Testing Services based out in Stellenbosch. Loads of listener feedback coming through. We'll share some of your voice notes and WhatsApps after this very short break. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. Afternoon, Pippa. Um, very interesting chat. Uh, it's sad that um, we live in a world that people, we are con- constantly um, duped into thinking something's authentic and it's often not. Um, an interesting uh, test I was shown once um, is that if you take honey and you put it on a plate with some water and you swirl the water around, um, it, it'll actually start, the, the honey starts taking the shape of honeycomb. Um, and that's also kind of a home test you can do um, to see if the, the honey you've got at home is actually authentic or not. Um, I understand that, you know, honey will generally form, make its own shape, come and form its own honeycomb shape again. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear if the scientists or the, your, 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 your guest on the show can confirm if that's accurate or not. But I've seen it's quite incredible. Wendy, I see you shaking your well, head. <laughs> I mean, if it was that simple, nobody would invest in uh, you know, the huge cost of having it professionally tested. Um, and you heard Shannon there saying, you know, it a lot depends. of old wives' tales. Yeah, a lot of old wives' tales. None of them are, are that reliable um, and are not, certainly not going to give you a foolproof um, yay or nay on whether it's adulterated or not. Okay. Tony, Sadly. Tony on the SMS saying, surely the onus should be on the retailers to do their proper homework mm. on whose products they sell to us. It's their responsibility to provide safe products to us too I have heard and I, I need to uh, admit I haven't didn't have time to check it out but I have heard from one of the punnies uh, producers that Discam does it um, I've got a comment from Woolies coming up they, okay, they yeah. do it um, so yes I would I would I certainly think the onus is on them to invest in that given um, how rough the um, adulteration is it has to be if you look at the numbers that we talked about at the beginning so, of the so show it's interesting you mentioned Discam because Peter's WhatsApp saying I used to buy honey from Discam until I could quite clearly taste golden syrup. I stopped buying from them. I've started supporting a local street market that sold locally made pure honey. My problem is I don't understand why the Quality Control Board or Consumer Board don't get in there and regulate these products. It's mind-boggling. The testing and um, something I wanted to say... about that. Um, the taste of the golden the taste, syrup, yes. yes. So I, I, not that long ago, was tipped off about a product. Um, I bought it. I sent it to Harris for testing. I thought, mm, yes, this does taste like syrup. And it, it passed. It was pure honey, so really. So you can't, uh, it depends on, you know, what the bees have been, uh, you know, what flowers they've been on and getting the nectar from and whatever. Unfortunately, it's not, um, it's not as simple as that. The, and the fraudsters, um, are so sophisticated. Um, yeah. yeah. It, if it tastes like syrup, it doesn't necessarily mean it is. It could okay. just be a certain kind of honey. Kind of flower that they're fed on or yeah. something like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear one or two more voice notes before we go to another guest standing by to chat to us on this issue. Afternoon, Pippa. Could you please ask Wendy how consumers can actually test that the honey they have is legitimate? Um I believe that there are ways of heating it up or checking whether it's soluble with water, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Jamie, Somerset West. Okay, it's amazing how many people think that. Think that but Wendy, um, is the only way to send it to a lab? Yes, absolutely, because you don't want to be accusing you know, uh, people falsely um, if it doesn't perform to your 
um, homemade spec. Yes. Yeah. So I think we've got to the point now with this adulteration issue that we really need to rely on the science. Okay, thanks for that. One more voice note, then then we'll speak to somebody who's in the honey business himself. Hi, Pippa. Um, I'm I'm just uh, very interested to listen to Wendy Nola's take on the uh, the honey uh, situation. Um, I recently watched on Netflix um, a Rotten. documentary called Rotten, and it's about basically uh, scandals in the food industry and that. And the one uh, was about honey. I think the first one, lawyers' gun and ha- guns and honey, or something to that effect. And it actually opened up the can of worms on the on the honey situation. Um, and they were, yeah, so it's very interesting. They were actually discovering that the population of bees were going down, but the production of honey was going up, and they couldn't understand it. And they started testing it, testing the honey, and they found that they, that if the honey came from China, it had like rice syrup in it and all sorts of things. So it's a very interesting documentary, highly recommended on Netflix. Thank you Rotten. for that. Agreed. Thanks for the thanks, okay. uh, thanks, Papa Daniel from Somerset West. Thanks, Daniel. So you've seen it, Wendy? Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, and it, it came up when you talk to people about honey. Um, Rotten comes up often. as a, a yeah. You know, it wasn't only about honey, but it, it it was a very strong focus on it. And exactly what we've been saying: the rice syrup, the high level of adulteration, and the the, the output not. Uh, corresponding with the number of bee colonies that would be required to produce that amount. What they say they're producing, yeah. yeah. Now, Glenn and Nurtuk are commenting on the WhatsApp line. South Africa could easily produce enough honey to supply domestic and export needs, but there are zero support mechanisms for honey production in this country. It could be a massive job creator and earner for the country. Yes, and there's not much of an incentive because they can't get the price and make a decent living out of it because they're being undercut by the imports that uh, in, in many cases Certainly in the Chinese case, a very big question mark about authenticity. So let's bring in somebody who can speak to support for the industry because with us on the line is Dylan Roach, who's the managing director of Peel's Honey, which is a local producer with beehives spread across KwaZulu-Natal and the Free State. And um, the Peel's beehives have always produced a, a significant portion of the Peel's Honey, but they do also draw on additional honey sourced from other small and medium-sized beekeepers in South Africa. Dylan, great to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, guys. Talk to us a little bit about what the challenge is for you as somebody who is selling the real deal, unadulterated, authentic, locally produced South African honey, putting your bottle on the shelf next to something that's been imported from China that's actually half rice syrup. Um, Yeah, geez, I wish I could say there was one challenge. Um, (laughs) There's so many, I think. For me, the biggest challenge is consumer education. Um, I think if all South Africans knew what they were buying, um, we wouldn't be in this mess to start with. Um, so, you know, we, we can't trust what's on shelf. Um, and there would more than likely be much less adulteration and importation if, if consumers knew what was in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what sort of stems from that is the price point Um People should not buy honey on shelf under 100 grams or 500 grams. Um, but that's a squeezy just, bottle, 500 squeezy bottle mostly. Yes, it's just not possible to put the product on shelf below that price, um, no matter how lean they're running their businesses. So if somebody uh, is selling it at 80 rand a bottle, it's you saying emphatically it's not pure unadulterated honey? It's, it's hard to say that, but I would say yes. Okay. Um, it's a difficult thing. There, there might be a few people that disagree that that's because uh, a small beekeeper who's maybe got a connection with his local spa and he's not doing any food safety 
Um, he's not sending his samples off to Germany because he knows it's his honey, it's from his hives. He doesn't need to do all those checks. So he may be able to get it into his local spa for 80, you know, for 80 rand. But uh, for any kind of big brand uh, that does all the checks and balances, it's not, it's not possible. Okay. Important. They would literally run at a loss. Is that what you're saying? Yes, Dylan? yes, for sure. Okay. And another, another important thing that we need to talk about, which I don't think has been mentioned, is that if people really want to avoid fake honey or imported honey, they should always look for a raw product, um, you know, that where it's crystallized in the jar. Um, it would preferably in a glass jar. Avoid squeezy bottles to start with. Um, and and then you're pretty much guaranteed to get a, getting a real product. You it may not be South African, um, but it's more than likely real. You say that as a as a brand that produces a squeezy bottle, is that just because of consumer demand? Yes, one hundred percent. We would also go out of business if we didn't manufacture squeezy bottles. But we would love not to, um, you know, because a squeezy bottle is not great honey. It's you know, it's been heated. Um, it's been filtered. It's a lot of the goodness is taken out, and mm. you're eating honey normally for your health benefits. So you want to look for a raw product, and preferably that it's crystallized. Not all honey crystallizes at the same speed, um, depending on the floral makeup. So it could be fresh on shelf and still be liquid in the jar. But I, I always say to people, just look for a raw products on shelf and look make sure it's crystallized if there's one that's crystallized rather take that over one that's not excellent advice okay. mm-hmm. do we talk about the testing i mean you presumably do have your all your honey tested because well your the honey that you're getting from your suppliers that you have hasn't come from your own hives what does that involve do you do it locally or are you doing the send it off to germany at high cost thing <laughs> So, as um, I think Shannon mentioned earlier in the show, it's like, you know, testing is like putting a puzzle together. We, we have a, a sort of multiple-pronged approach to our testing. So, every single batch we received from each and every beekeeper, we do a range of testing on that batch. Um, obviously, we send it to ger- every batch to Germany, and that will put up any red flags if it's been adulterated nine out of ten times. But then we do a lot of analysis on the honey um, in terms of color, um, texture, um, viscosity, and then we do a lot of testing with pollen makeup. So if we know a beekeeper beekeeper is um, in the free state, you know, south of Freemason or something, and they uh, and they send us their honey, and we find pollen that's from Zimbabwe or Zambia or Uganda. We know that they they're mixing it with with another product. Right, that's um, fascinating. So we we do a lot of analysis, and then once we've got all the tests for that batch, we make a decision on on whether we think it's authentically from Western Cape or the Free State or etc. Okay. Dylan, thank you very much for that. Uh, Dylan Roach, the managing director at Peel's Honey, and good to hear from the horse's mouth, Wendy. Very much so. You know, some of the many challenges they face in competing against the cheap imports, which aren't side the real by deal. Side, side yeah, on the side shelf. By side. Mm. Very quickly before we run out of time, um, 
you mentioned earlier the issue of the so-called single source honey, the orange blossom honey, um, and and the fact that there, there are question marks being yes. being raised about this because if you are selling that much orange blossom honey, is there actually enough? Being produced, being produced to, to, to add up, yeah, and I know you 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 raised this with Woolworths, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it came up a few times during that workshop from different people, um, and no retailers or brands were mentioned. But I went to Woolworths because um, I know that they sell um, orange blossom uh, honey for for one one of the retailers that does. Um, as you said, the issue is volume. It's very it's things like um, aloe, um, honey, orange blossom, um, lychee even. They're relatively low volume and highly um, sought after. Um, and anyway, so I asked all this about its orange blossom, blue gum, etc. And whether it has its suppliers honey tested to ensure that it, what's in their squeeze bottle or jar is matching what's on the um Label and the response was Woolworths only uses and sells South African honey sourced from South African beekeepers. We test our honey on a routine basis and our suppliers, beekeepers, are routinely inspected to ensure that we're being supplied 100% pure honey. And it's not specifically around that really uh, single source floral, but um, yeah, um, that we could maybe da- go down that route. Um, in terms of whether that can be tested on another show, I do yeah. know that some of the important stuff there's no pollen in it at all, um, because what what they do to bring down costs and it's still honey, but they instead of let, letting the bees feed on 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 nature's bounty on the various flowers, they feed them sugar syrup Oy. to increase so it is production. And so naturally produced honey, but it's not going to have any. They're not the... letting. It's not that perfect um, uh, combination of the of the um, botanical and animal kingdom that you that produces honey with all its um, health benefits. So you really want to have some pollen in your honey. Wendy, thanks. It's been a fascinating conversation again and uh, an alarming one in many respects, but appreciate your, your doing the research and sitting in on that seminar for us. Uh, um, and uh, we'll chat again next week. We'll do. Wendy Nola, our consumer journalist. Remember, if you want to raise a case with her, uh, her address is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R.